0: there weary traveler welcome to the inn sit sit rest your feet Why, it's a long journey on the road to tarvalon have a cup of tea or maybe a frothy ale or the light
1: while you're just in time for the entertainment here are your hosts tracy and amber Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast.
0: That it is! It's, like I said, it's one of my favorite things every week. Today we are stepping, like, a little bit out of our comfort zone, I guess you could say, and tackling a topic that we think is important and also... I don't know how I don't know how I want to say this. So I'm just going to say we're talking about gender today. And we're going to kind of try to approach it from our life experiences and what we've experienced through the novels, what Robert Jordan may have had as an intention when he was writing. Does it still stand as something good or not 30 years later? So, I think it's important to talk about gender for several reasons that i apparently am unable to articulate but (laughs) hopefully that will that will be a problem that's solved as we go on and we have a guest today thank you for joining us so we have zach from two and a mike podcast and would you mind telling us a little bit about your podcast
2: yeah well first of all thank you very much um this, thanks for
1: being here. This
2: was a little mini road to the road to Tar Valley.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a detour. I like it.
2: <laughs> but it's great that you um yeah you were actually accepted uh to have me on and I I've been really looking forward to it so uh, I also look forward to the topic. Um yeah so to the mic basically I Removed myself from social media because I couldn't live with the hate. Yeah, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, even public figures who I disliked myself, you know, whenever they wrote uh, a tweet or something, the kinds of things that these people would have to face thereafter, the responses and mm-hmm. so on, um, it just I just didn't think it was worth it anymore. And then. In the sort of post-Brexit years, I found myself stewing. You know, every time a news article came up, I'd reach for my phone to send out a a furious tweet. And then, oh, shit, I don't have Twitter anymore. (laughs) Um, So I thought, let me do a podcast because then I can kind of control the environment. I can speak to people who I know are generally respectful of certain uh, ideas and approaches. Yeah. But especially I wanted to have other people tell me about what they thought. and I wanted Mm, to listen mm -hmm. and learn from them and give them a voice. Um, And so from that, I kind of developed three main issues which were central for me, as it were. One is like um, anti-discrimination, so Black Lives Matter, gender equality, and uh, climate change. So I think these are the three fundamental issues in our reality that we should address somehow. Um, and that's with what two and a mic is for basically.
0: That's amazing. I have really enjoyed the episodes that I've listened to and you are an amazing listener. You just let your guests talk. And it's so, I mean, seriously, it's so rare for that to happen. I was like, wow, this guy is the best listener. (laughs) And you talk about things that hit me hard as well. So it's educational and it's thought provoking. And I really, I enjoy it. It's really laid back. There's no animosity in what you're talking about. It's just a really nice open conversation. And I think that's like the direction that we're looking for today in our discussion about gender. So, and we're connecting it to the Wheel of Time, of course, because as Amber said, <laughs> this is a Wheel of Time podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we always try to bring in real-world connections to what we talk about when we do Road to Tarvalin and Of course, there's this huge male, female, almost like hard line in Robert Jordan's writing. And I want to like at least say this, that we acknowledge the fact that a binary gender system is not real. It's a construct from society. And so if we're talking male, female, when it comes to Wheel of Time, it's more in relation to how jordan wrote it then thinking that those are the only two gender options available here here was that a good yeah was that a good disclaimer this mm-hmm. is my disclaimer <laughs> yes <laughs> cool um and also i just want to know because i'm always curious how did you get into wheel of time
2: Oh, this is a funny one. Actually, I was thinking about it this morning because you did kind of mention that uh, in dispatches that this would be a question that came up in 1998. I just finished my. <laughs> just I love my... it.
0: You've got a date in 1998.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, it was uh, September, I think.
0: Um,
2: and yeah, I just I'd finished a degree in politics and modern history, and I was nice. in, I was working. Uh, yeah, it wasn't the most intellectually challenging job. And so I, I walked into a bookshop on Chiswick High Street in in West London, and I went straight to the science fiction and fantasy section. And the only thing I was looking for was the story which had the most books in it. <laughs>
0: Success.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could say it was tavern, there were dice spinning or whatever, yeah. But basically, yeah, there was another one which had four books, and then I saw, you know. Robert Jordan had six at that time, so I Mm -hmm. think that's what I'm going for, and um, Mm -hmm. wow, what a journey.
1: It's a little bit similar, I mean, kind of similar to me. I was looking for a fantasy series, and at that point, Robert Jordan had died, and the series wasn't finished, so I thought, no, I don't want to do that one. I don't want to have another A Song of Ice and Fire situation <laughs> on my hands. Mm-hmm. And then I heard about the TV show coming out and went and looked. And I was like, oh, wow, like they're finished. They, they've been finished for a while. And this was before the pandemic. And then I took a mm-hmm. break. And then during the pandemic, just like barreled through them. And so You're happy sure I did. <laughs>
0: You read them so fast. Like, I don't remember what book you were on when we first started talking about it. But I was like, I'm going to catch up to Amber. And that never, ever happened.
1: Nope. I was like, well, I started about a book and a half ahead of you anyway, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. But still, and I mean, I'm a, I'm a fairly fast reader, thanks to my education background and whatnot. But I just, you are a speed. <laughs> I don't yeah it but I don't impressive. know if that's
1: such a good thing because I know there's so many things that I've missed out on just <laughs> trying to pick up to the next plot line if you get to a point from a character where you're not really feeling it you're just like da. Yeah. I gotta get through this what's going on over here with you know Matt and the golem and we want to get back to that so there's moments where I probably at my own detriment went too fast
0: I've definitely been that person who's like, I'm skipping over this paragraph and this paragraph and this paragraph because I just want to get past Perrin.
2: Oh, I had that the first time around. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't handle it. Fail. Fail. <laughs> and it, uh, No, come on, man. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. But since then, I, when I've reread it, um, I actually enjoyed Perrin a, a lot more than the mm-hmm. first time around. I don't know why, but um, but when you mentioned speed reading, I once lent a colleague a book, I think it was by James Clavell, and he used to write these huge tomes. Yeah, it's like 1,003 <laughs> pages long, and 300 pages long, sorry. And I gave it to him, expecting him to give it back in a few weeks. The next day he gave it back to me, he said, yeah, it's quite good.
1: Did you quiz him afterwards?
2: Yeah. Right? And yeah, and he said, yeah, I, I only read the bits which were, like, the conversation parts, and I didn't read the rest of it, and I thought, okay, that's not reading, is it?
0: Let's... Yeah. I mean, okay. Right? <laughs> At that point, it's just like reading a transcript of a TV show, basically.
2: Yeah, uh, that's the last book I ever gave him. I mean, I mean... <laughs>
0: Never again. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so I think we're all ready to get started. Yeah? Okay, so I wrote out a bunch of questions. We've kind of been collaborating on this for I don't even know how long any longer. But the first question that we have is, what are the expected roles for women in fantasy novels? And were these expectations met or broken for you when you first started reading Wheel of Time?
2: Really, it kind of depends on what your first experience of reading fantasy was. So if the first first fantasy book you ever read was, uh, was one that had um, a sort of female protagonist as opposed to having a male protagonist, thereafter, mm-hmm. all of your perspectives sort of divert and compare to that. But most of the ones that I read, I, I started with like uh, sort of Steve Jackson, these sort of uh, adventures where you had to choose your own way. Um, and that was very male, definitely oriented, but it was also sort of demonic. So you, you, I don't know, had to uh, refer to lots of beasts and so on. I, I never really associated gender ever with reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have that um, sort of rigid uh, thought in my mind. So when I see... Like Red Sonja, for example, if I think of these sort of fantasy characters, you know, and I, and I remember these wonderful sort of strong female characters, I, you know, I think back to a character like Red Sonja, who mm-hmm. basically would kick Conan's ass any day of the week, I think. Um, and for me, it's so natural to see strong women um, mm-hmm. in literature, in stories, that I, I don't think I could have it any other way.
0: That's fascinating and I think it's a really good point about like where you start with your adventure I don't know when I first started really reading it was like babysitter's club and sweet valley high you know like shit like that and I don't really necessarily know if that's female empowerment or whatever but like they were stories about girls and they were stories about girls that I wanted to be like in some Mm -hmm. cases but when I got older like more towards my teenage years I wanted something different and in a lot of ways for me reading fantasy novels because I I mean I like sci-fi to an extent but I'm much more a fantasy focused person and The Wheel of Time is about the only fantasy series that I've actually kept with me like a lot of my books have been replaced by a shit ton of non-fiction as we have found out in our unpacking <laughs> process but my parents my mom in particular was like you don't need to spend so much time studying you're going to be a wife and and a mother and that's your whole that's your whole pers- perspective like my parents were born in 1944 so they were they were boomers to the extreme and they thought they had my life all figured out for me and reading fantasy was an escape and an opportunity to see women could be something else we were raised very conservatively so that whole solid strong quote-unquote traditional gender roles really ruled my family and it was awful it was just terrible so when i first started reading wheel of time i think i was like 16 ish And I was just like, I want to be an Aes Sedai. Like, I just felt like I could do anything. Like, if these women could do anything, they were the power source in these novels. And now I'm a little older and I look at them and I'm like, "Mm, maybe it's a good thing. I couldn't become an Aes Sedai if I wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I found it empowering. But I think it's because of my background and my age when I started reading it. I think it's probably very different when you approach this as an adult. Like Amber and I have talked about it several times where like her first impression of something is so different than mine that I'm just like utterly fascinated. So
1: yeah. Age definitely plays a part, I think. I mean, when I first started these books, I wasn't looking for strong female characters. I just wanted something that would pass the time (laughs) And like you said earlier, like, look at these, you know, this heap of giant novels. I'm like, okay, let's give it a try and see. So you kind of just like stumble through it and you meet these characters. And I'm not going to lie, the majority of what I found reading Eye of the World, I didn't find too many characters that I gravitated towards where I was like, well, I love them. It was kind of like, okay, I want to see where the story is going. And Mm -hmm. I didn't think that Eye of the World was the best place to gauge that. So I kept reading and thought, okay, well, we'll go into the Great Hunt. And then by the time we get pretty much right through the beginning of the Great Hunt, I was sucked in. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of these roles like Moraine, I could sympathize with so much because I've said it before, but she's just like hurting kittens where it's like anytime she's trying to focus and get these kids where they need to be, they're doing dumb stuff and stealing treasures <laughs> and just acting out and being ridiculous. So I really liked Moraine. And I think I identified with her and I liked her because of course she is kind of that female Gandalf wizard. And you're like, okay, that's cool. (laughs) And then as the story progresses, a lot of the female characters, especially the younger ones really come through like this full arc of becoming something much different than what they were when they started. And for me, that's one of the things about storytelling where if I have a strong female character, she doesn't have to be the biggest, the strongest, the coolest in the beginning. She doesn't even have mm-hmm. to necessarily be a great person. But yeah. as the story goes on, when you get to that spot where, just for an example, when Nynaeve finds Moraine when they're having the the dragons piece meeting she sees Mm, Moraine mm -hmm. and she just starts crying and this is someone that she hated she couldn't stand she I think if Moraine was dead in a ditch somewhere Nynaeve would not have cared at all
0: (laughs) but I mean she would have cared but it would have been like to dance a little jig or maybe ding dong the witch is dead kind of thing yeah like that's how I feel she would be like
1: but there was that that layer of growth that I found, found really endearing in this series with many characters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And at sometimes the beginning, with these younger female characters, they really got on my nerves. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Egwene, Nynaeve, Fail, all of them go through books where you're kind of pulling your hair out. Like, are we just going to be bickering the whole time? because mm-hmm. I don't I don't like that I don't think Mm-mm. but it definitely comes full circle and it's not necessarily that Robert Jordan I think didn't know how to write women or write young mm-hmm. women it was mm-hmm. kind of in my opinion it's a little bit of this stereotypical like young girl idea maybe and his Wife was his editor, so nothing would have gotten by if she said, no, we don't like that. So I think (laughs) he had the blessing of a woman that he looked up to immensely. And when I look Mm. at it from that perspective... I can kind of smile and like chuckle, like have a little laugh about it because I'm sure they were probably like I picture them sitting in a living room, cozy, you know, yes. him with a newspaper drinking coffee and him thinking like, well, Harriet, you know, how would you feel if we have naive threatened to thump someone <laughs> over the head with... <laughs> a stick and I just picture her kind of like laughing being like it's great I love it Mm -hmm. so I think there is an attempt at humor here where not everyone has to love it but I think for the time and the place the world was at when these books were written I I can Mm -hmm. find the humor in it
0: yeah I also think about like Jordan's age I think he was probably born close to when my parents were and he has a conservative Christian background. And I'm, I would guess that his wife would probably have a similar background. So I would also imagine that that would tint how they looked at male-female relationships as well. And I think that that's interesting.
1: I looked it up some more the other day, Tracy, and apparently Episcopalians are not as conservative as I had thought. So- okay,
0: yeah. Well, and I, when I looked up His information, he said he was a high church Episcopalian. I think we talked about this because we were both like, what the (laughs) f*** is that? And I had, I mean, how, what the f*** is that? Seriously. But Wikipedia, the source of all good things, mentioned that it leans more towards almost a conservative Catholicism approach without confession and certain ritual aspects.
1: Maybe it just means conservative branch of Episcopalians, not like conservative in comparison to like the Roman Catholic Church. That's true.
0: Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: mean, I don't don't know anything about Episcopalians. That might be
1: more research for another day for future (laughs) Amber and future Tracy.
0: (laughs) Religion in the Wheel of Time. We haven't done that yet. I know other people have, but it's one that I wouldn't mind doing either.
2: Yeah, I mean, I... I, was always, I also wanted to say, I mean, a lot of people forget that Harriet had, I think she played a really big role mm-hmm. in the development of this story. So everybody knows Robert Jordan, but I don't... Because at the time, when as the books were coming out, I think Harriet was referred to quite often by Robert Jordan. So he used to be interviewed and he'd say, yeah, Harriet picked all of the, uh, the headings of the chapters. She'd read it and say, oh, that's what we put as the chapter heading and so on. And, and obviously, because he died so many years ago, yeah, you know, anybody who picked up the book in the last ten years would never have actually lived at the time
0: mm-hmm. of his
2: interviews when he referenced her. So yeah. people, new fans don't know that she was heavily involved.
0: Mm-hmm. I always liked seeing the dedication at the front of the book. They're like, so good. They're so sweet. Yeah, I was always like, I I want that. <laughs> I want that relationship. <laughs> it just like it always like hit my heart in such a way that like made me. I know it sounds silly, but like those dedications really made me want to read the books even more. Like if this person had this kind of relationship with another person, like the depth of emotion that comes along with the relationship like that, I was like, I wanna I
1: wanna read what you're writing. Or he was just a, a real smooth talker that Robert <laughs> Jordan <laughs> Yes. But when you look at it, I see that when he's writing Lan being affectionate towards Nynaeve and saying, you know, you're a lioness or I think I think he just he was quite the poet. He had a way with words. A romantic. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So we have such a wonderful group of people on Discord and recently a couple of comments have like popped up in different conversations that have kind of touched on this particular topic. And so I checked in with wonderful Wicked on our Discord server just to make sure that she was cool with us using what she had written. And she said, I think Jordan would sometimes strive for a version of reversed sexism that didn't always dot, dot, dot work. (laughs) I would like to see the TV show take things in a way that is more egalitarian. There's a lot of brilliantly displayed altruism in the books and lots of wonderful touching moments between men. Deaf don't want the show to lose that. And I just thought that that was so perfectly composed because I completely agree with this. Like That was something that like I didn't really feel that when I was younger because, again, super sheltered, not really aware of the idea of sexism like and pretty much thinking that like the gender roles that my family established were the ones that everyone did and so this idea of reverse sexism is that is that a thing is reverse sexism we can just just we can just say sexism yeah that's kind of yeah so i mean i understand the point because sometimes it is just thought of as like one gender towards another but sexism can be across the board doesn't it doesn't matter, but I I agree with this statement. Like, what did what do you guys think? Well,
1: <laughs> pressure. <laughs> I think there is sexism in the world of the Wheel of Time, but we have men doing things to women. We have women doing things to men. We have women doing things to other women, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're not even going to talk about. The Forsaken and the Merdral and that creepy, like, world of yuck. But, yeah, <laughs> there's some really, like, gross stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this reflects the real world. So, does it make it bad that it's put into a book? Does it need to be there? These are all questions that I can't answer, <laughs> you know?
2: hmm Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot comes down to uh, the age of the reader. In some cases, the experiences, the personal journey that the, they've had to get mm-hmm. to the point at which they're reading this and they experience this. I mean, um, yeah, as I said, I was twenty-one when I first picked up the book, and I never looked out at any of these um, sexist issues. But then, reading them again uh, and then again twenty years later, <laughs> you, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's you've got a relationship. You know, you've got to keep going. Absolutely mm-hmm. different. You pick up so many things. And what was, um, like, there was another uh, user on Twitter who also referenced the the really, the, I don't want to be too uh, sort of disrespectful or insulting towards Robert Jordan's work, but uh, this uh, Twitter user said that the way that Tylin's relationship with Matt is written down and it's turned into a joke from mm-hmm. the perspective of Matt, mm-hmm. you know, this is horrible. This mm-hmm. is very poorly written and that person would prefer to see it completely removed from the tv Mm. show
0: Mm. which is quite
2: interesting isn't it because Mm -hmm. um i i I, look when i thought about what that person wrote on twitter and then i sort of went back and had a look at a few of the paragraphs you know matt is he cannot escape Mm -mm. when he gets back to the palace a servant here or there, some, Steals, they get him. Yeah. They steal you know. his
1: clothes, I think, at one point. Well, so he can't yeah. even leave. Like, Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's tied to the bed. Yeah. Uh, you know, as in, um, and, and this is sort of turned into a joke because, you know, they joke about, yeah, 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 you're with Tylin and so on. But, you know, if this were in any way uh, considered within the real world and uh, that kind of behavior, I mean, That's a prison sentence, right there. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. you know, that's nothing that you could really find humorous in Mm -hmm. any way. Mm
1: -mm. Is it possible? No, I agree. When I think of Matt, his laughter seems to always be a coping mechanism. That's exactly what I was thinking. So I can see him. I mean, this is reflected in our world. If this happens to a male and this isn't a good thing. It's more times than often other men who are like, well, like, that's not a problem. Like, was she good looking or, you know, it'll be something along those lines. Yeah. So I, I do see this reflecting in our society. I have to wonder if Robert Jordan was making that the point, this can happen, Or if it was something that went over his head and was just, like you said, possibly something in poor taste. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, he's not around to ask.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you regret writing this?
2: Mm. I mean, the thing is that there's no... I think you're absolutely correct that Matt uses his humor as a way of dealing with it. But there's nothing in the story suggests any kind of psychological consequences for Matt. It's almost like as soon as he's out of there, it's... Oh, it didn't even happen, did it? Mm -hmm. You know? And whereas, I mean, we just know. I mean, it's never happened to me, yeah? Um, But I've read stories and articles about rape victims, and you never forget. You know, they say you're scarred for life. Um, And so that's that's why i think that the tv show would probably do best to just skip that.
1: Mhm.
0: Yeah. I mean, she uses a knife. She threatens him with a
1: knife. It's such a it's such a delicate thing to where if the tv show did want to bring this in, it would have to be done in such a way to learn about it and to like mm-hmm. reflect about it. Yeah. But I'm not in charge of the show, so who's to, who's to say what they touch on? Because we've talked a lot about Egwene's story and how often yes. she is a captive, a prisoner, beaten, just abused. Yep. And that's another thing where it's like, well, how much violence towards a person should they potentially like bring into the show at what point does it become too much and mm-hmm. again not sure i have an answer for that
0: yeah i'm just thinking about shows like game of thrones and orange is the new black the handmaiden's tale
1: i can't watch that it's a it, I, what is it
0: that they that it gets referred to as violence torture porn torture like porn. torture porn yeah That's what it is yeah
1: and I mean, the book is a lot different than the show, but... For sure. <laughs>
0: By a long shot. Right. But at the
1: same time, I think I watched one season and I was just like, no, I, I think I'm done with that because I left watching every episode kind of eyes glazed over, not in a good mental place. <laughs> so right?
0: Like, yeah. Let's yeah. not. <laughs> I, had, I had a buddy for watching that show. Like, we would message each other and cry together afterwards I've watched all of it more than once because I am that person but what (laughs) what I what I wanted to say is the representation of the rape of women shows up frequently in media but it isn't something that gets talked about for men very often like the idea of a man being raped I think is still kind of almost a foreign concept for people because we just don't really think that that's possible. Like how in the world could a woman rape a man? But it is absolutely possible. Like Thailand does it. And in some ways I'm going to kind of go against the idea of skipping this. It might be important to add this, to open up a a conversation around sexual abuse and men because
1: I think that that's important. That's true. I just have to say that if it's not done properly, you're it's making awful. Yeah, you're making a caricature out of something that's entirely way too serious. Exactly. So yeah, I lean in both directions. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I do too. I do too. I just kind of wanted to like I don't want to say play devil's advocate. I kind of don't like that phrase. But, like, just take it from the other angle of what a benefit might be of including it in the show.
2: I think it would need to require a sort of serious reflection from Matt yeah. thereafter yeah. and not just to dismiss it. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. That, I guess least. that happened. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. I mean, it's the, the, it's that idea of masculinity that keeps him from fully emotionally experiencing it that's my thought on it is like tylen abuses him she's a female if he goes out and like tries to talk to his buddies about what happened like amber said they're just gonna kind of like tease him about it like instead of taking it seriously and being like are you okay can we help you you know and so the way that it's written it's like oh whatever and that would just be tragic if that if that stayed
2: And and just another, on a side note, I mean, you know, Thailand, she's the queen. So she has, she's in a position of authority. Mm -hmm. And from the Me Me Too movement, we know people who are in positions of authority take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Harvey Weinstein, Epstein, and so on. And, you know, these are horrific stories, Mm -hmm. which because the people involved were so authoritarian, were so important in their region, Mm -hmm. um, people said, yeah, that's just how it is. And um, that's just not acceptable, is it?
0: Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Thailand definitely abuses her, her power in this particular case. And, I mean, that's another thing about the way that women are portrayed in Robert Jordan's novels is power corrupt. Regardless of your gender, power corrupts.
1: Or it just not necessarily always corrupts, but I think it brings forward, it magnifies that bit of badness that people might Mm -hmm. already have inside of them Mm -hmm. so if you have a good person putting them in a position of power doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to turn bad but if there is like an inkling there raising them to a position above others then they become immune to the consequences I guess Mm
0: -hmm. very much yeah that's a good point the, the Tylan and Matt thing, I it when I was young, I did not notice that this was the situation that it was. It really wasn't until this last time reading it that I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> Matt just kept raped. And I even felt weird asking myself that question. Like, why should I question that? Because that's exactly what's happened. But I'm like
1: did that especially if you are looking back on something fondly where it's like this is my favorite book series of all time and you get happy feelings thinking about it (laughs) you read that and you're like wait
0: what yeah it gets it gets the scrunched up face look from me I don't like it and my husband actually just finished reading that section in the book and he like texted me cause he's like been listening to audio and he was like, did Matt just get raped? He was like, wow, interesting. I was like, we can talk mm. about it dinner tonight. It's, I don't know. In some ways I don't, I don't understand why Jordan would write a scene like this. And I, I, I don't know if this kind of goes back to that whole sexism idea Like, is he doing this to show that women can and will do this? Or is it just, I don't know. I don't know.
2: Do you remember, I mean, in the 90s, I think there was like a series of movies, like Fatal Attraction, Mm -hmm, Basic mm -hmm. Instinct. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't know if for some reason in the 80s and 90s, men felt that they were kind of losing it to powerful Mm -hmm. women at the time. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. nothing to suggest that this may have been the case. Um, but there were quite a few of these kinds of topics that came up and it it does make you question the relevance. I'd love for somebody to ask Harriet, you know, about these things.
1: Yeah. Does she talk to people? She goes to JordanCon. She's, does she? Yeah. She's in the community, I guess, but I would never ask her. (laughs) 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 Um, excuse me.
0: (laughs) I have a question. (laughs) Oh, but what a good question to ask, I think, anyway. So in the last recording that we did, Amber had mentioned the older women doing the... What's the dance called? The Teganza. Teganza, and like how it was making poor Perrin feel uncomfortable. And we chatted about this a little bit yesterday, too, and you brought up a really good point that I would love for you to express
1: again. Okay, so when we're talking about this moment, there's, I think... Three, like three things that we need to think about. Mm-hmm. So the first one is regardless of the gender, is it acceptable to make someone uncomfortable? You know, we had said, well, you know, if it was a man doing this, then potentially I would feel maybe a little bit different about it. And then the second thing is, does this being a culturally accepted norm in their society does that change your opinion Mm -hmm. and then the third thing is is it possible that it's just complete narrator bias where it's an example to draw attention to the fact that Perrin is so sheltered he's thinking it's about him Mm -hmm. and I think after mulling it over in my head I'm kind of looking towards number three where I think Mm -hmm. it it might possibly just be Perrin saying, like, "Well, this is how I feel. I've never left home before. He doesn't know anything about the outside world." I think a chapter before that, Egwene says that the two auth- or the Tinkers are like children stealers, so she makes a very generalized uh, statement about them, and so I'm possibly leaning towards. Robert Jordan kind of trying to hit home with this fact that these kids are really sheltered and they really don't know the outside world. Because at first I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about it. And then it went to, well, maybe it's probably just their cultural thing. I mean, if I went somewhere in the Amazon rainforest and found indigenous people somewhere that maybe didn't cover their breasts or something, I wouldn't point and be like, how dare you?
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> when, when I first read it, the, 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 the series, I thought to myself, okay, these, these people have all left um, the two rivers. They're all virgins, right? <laughs> okay, maybe not Moirin and Land, but I mean, you know, the other guys. That... <laughs>
0: Oh, interesting. Well, Lan's definitely not a virgin. No.
2: Thanks, <laughs> nice New I, Spring. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. Huh. Well, neither, neither is Moirin, then. I guess, from a certain perspective.
0: Yeah, I don't know. You had actually commented, I think this might be on the other doc, I that think it was kind of...
1: I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think there is mention somewhere of Perrin having dated a girl, but don't quote me on that. and we don't know if they maybe just held hands one night under the stars like and that was the extent of it
0: (laughs) and everyone was like they're betrothed yeah (laughs) um that's the way it is in the two rivers because i think you zach had said something about how unfortunate would it be that people still get uncomfortable around things like this i don't know where it is okay um But I agree with you. And at the same time, like being raised incredibly conservative and sheltered, I would have been in parents' shoes where I'd be like, oh, my God, they're swaying their hips at me. This is so awkward. So I I guess I kind of I kind of get it. I also see it as like this intentional. It's a very intentional movement on their part, I feel like, to make him blush. And so what drives them to do that, you know? Like, is it something in their culture where it's like kind of-
2: Is it seductive? Are they it, trying I to make sure he stays? I think it's supposed
1: to be. I don't, <laughs> I don't know about you, Tracy, but I just, I'm, I'm thinking back to situations where I might've been the one person in the room who didn't understand something going on due to maybe language And Mm -hmm. it's not the same as a dance, let's say. Mm -hmm. But have you ever, like, witnessed something that someone felt awkward? You weren't sure how to approach the situation. And you're kind of, like, laughing out of this is an awkward situation.
2: I mean, have you ever, when you were at school, did you ever, like, Yeah, maybe you're not going to answer this anyway, but did you ever, like, uh, as a group, tease? Like a boy, in some way, for example, and then purely in fun, in absolute jest, yeah. But no. when you <laughs> notice that maybe this person was <laughs> starting to get a bit embarrassed, and oh, I don't know what to do now, um, did that make did that spur you on, or did you like? Oh, sorry, didn't mean it. Back to lunch.
0: Well, I don't know if that's ever happened in like a seductive form for me towards another individual because I'm just far too introverted and insecure to do that but I also (laughs) have a tendency to be kind of like dry and biting when I say things without really realizing it and I have definitely had moments where I'm like I'm so sorry that totally came out wrong and if I at all made you uncomfortable i my apologies like my deepest apologies because I really I don't want to make people feel bad but if I do it'll be intentional and there will be no apology afterwards but (laughs) it happens unintentionally sometimes for me like my my family even calls me out on it like Aiden's like mom my friends all think you're so nice and I was like I have them fooled (laughs) (laughs) and I mean he's like yeah you're kind of an asshole thanks you gotta get it from somewhere but (laughs) I don't know. I have not been in that situation, but I do not like making people uncomfortable. I am the exact opposite. I really like to make people as comfortable as possible.
1: Well, to answer your question, definitely. (laughs) 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 But it's more like I can think back to maybe third grade or something where... Like, oh, so-and-so is dating so-and-so. Like, (laughs) hey, are you dating so-and-so? And And then them not wanting to say anything or talking about it and being like, oh, they're totally dating. Like, that's your girlfriend. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Kids are jerks.
0: Kids are jerks. Yeah. That's why I mostly sat on the playground with a book.
1: That was me. (laughs) But at the same time, like, I don't know. I think... I think it's Perrin. I think it's in his head. And I think he's kind of just not accustomed to stepping away from his two rivers, mm. prim and proper. Very Yeah. Like
0: what is dating in the two rivers? Did Randon Agween ever date? Did they even know each other before everyone was like, you guys will be getting married? Well, it or sounds 12. a little bit
1: more similar to like an arranged marriage because they explained that Tam had talked to Bran about it. Oh, yeah. Or was yeah. it Marin? I don't remember if it was her mother or father, if it was both. But in that context, I don't think that they have a lot of experience dating.
0: Or even really interacting with... The opposite sex, if you will. Like, there's always that thread throughout the entire series where Matt, Perrin, and Rand are wishing that they knew how to talk to women the way that the other person knows how to talk to women.
1: As my and least favorite joke. Crazy,
0: crazy.
2: <laughs>
0: Stop yeah. it already.
2: Yeah, he hammers that home, Robert Jordan, far more than Nine Years Pulling Her Braid. I mean, come on. You know, if, right? Yeah, I was in a group of friends, yeah, and there was, no, there was always one among us who knew how to speak to uh, the opposite sex. And it mm-hmm. was never all of us thinking the other guy. Because we all knew that we are all terrible at it. You know? Right. And it was just, you know, no, oh, she's looking at you. Oh, no, no, shit. You turn around. <laughs> <laughs> she's not looking at me. She's looking at you. You know? Yeah, no. That, that's a slight mischaracterization of how it works. But anyway. No. Hmm.
0: Okay. The other thing that I had pulled from here was actually something that Amber wrote um and this was on our discord thread as well uh i'm seeing a lot of reaction videos of people watching how does it feel for me to be reading your words amber
1: i mean <laughs> i've never had this happen to me before I'm i was shocked. just
0: thinking about that i'm like i should just let amber do those these are her words <laughs>
1: Do you want can me to? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. I can continue it. to yeah. be you for a moment. Is that all right? Okay, you already cool. live inside my head. <laughs> <You're
0: right. laughs> uh, okay, so I'm seeing a lot of reaction videos of people watching the trailer guessing, oh, this looks like female empowerment. These women are the protectors of the world. The good guys. And it's it will be so fun to watch people see it unraveling when tower politics begin to unfurl. And I love that. You're so right. You're so right.
1: I think from this short teaser trailer, I have a feeling that most people don't have any clue what this series is going to be about. So they kind of just gave us a little bit to chomp at. And for people that have read the books, we know. It's cool watching someone who has no idea sitting there and thinking, okay, well, like... There's these women, they all have these magical powers, and they say that they're the protectors of the world, and this just looks really cool. And in some ways, they're 100% correct. Like, Mm -hmm. this story does have a lot of female empowerment in it. But (laughs) 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 when you're looking at the Aes Sedai, it's definitely a situation where it took me a little bit of time to really understand what was going on with the tower politics. And once I started looking for it, then I was like, oh, wow, things are not what they seem. (laughs) (laughs) And Mm -hmm. for me, that was one of the big fun twists in the storytelling.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, do do you think Robert Jordan has this... um... Do you think he overdoes it a bit with the White Tower? That's um it's almost like he's saying when you if you get enough women together in the group, you know, the the nails come out, you know, that kind of thing. Does he push it too Good far, point. do you think?
0: I don't think so. I feel as though the White Tower and the women in the White Tower are varied enough that it's not super heavy-handed like i feel as though there's almost a subtle unraveling of our understanding of the aes Sedai and the white tower and i mean maybe that's just me maybe i'm slow and i don't pick up on things as quickly as other people might but to me it's like getting to see behind the curtain as you keep going it's like the wizard
1: of oz when yeah
0: (laughs) yeah and i mean a lot of times it There are definitely things that Robert Jordan does where I'm like, I am done. I am done. I have read this in every single book about this person for like the last 12 books. I'm done. But with The White Tower, I feel like it's really I feel like it's really masterfully done the way that it layers and the w- the women and the complicated relationships that they have and like the mystery, the finding the black Aja. Because it's not, who...
1: yeah, it's not all bad. And when we look at Mm-mm. a lot of the instances between the novices, like there is this camaraderie and friendship and goodness to it. But I think it's more aimed at the institution itself. It's not mm-hmm. the women and that all women are catty or squabbling, I guess, behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of, I feel like saying, okay, well, you have this almighty institution that is basically behind the scenes in all the politics in this world. And then, like Tracy said, kind of pulling back the curtain and saying, like, but look, like they're... Mm -hmm. There will never be a perfect society, I think, maybe, where we can all get along and there will be no corruption anywhere. But you were going to say something, Zach. Go ahead. No, yeah,
2: please. I was just going to say that whenever I read other stories, um, I kind of always have the weed of time in the, in the back back of my mind because that is yeah. my you know that's my go-to story whenever like i if i'm gonna encounter or if i'm going through a tough time in my life i just open up eye of the world and i'm cool you know um and I that's me that. sorted for the next six months like emotionally it's all good when i gave up smoking I, you know everybody says to me how'd you do it i said i read the wheel of time <laughs>
1: <You know? laughs>
2: Every time I wanted a cigarette, I picked up a book. End of story, you know. Um, and so I was reading a, um, a book the other day by uh, Simone de Beauvoir, and I came across this sentence, and it, it, it's um, – just uh, tell me what you think. So she's writing about a character, Xaviera, who, who has perhaps always trying to steal her man. And she says, without jealousy, without love, ageless, nameless – Confronted with her own life, she was no longer anything but a calm and detached spectator. And I thought to myself, one minute, if Robert Jordan had read this book, was that the character basis for all the Aes Sedai?
0: Mm-hmm. It does sound like a very accurate description of them.
2: It's amazing, isn't it? As in, In some ways, it's absolutely, wow. I thought that's spot on. And he mm-hmm. must have been well read, very well read.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I think Mm-mm. the majority of our episodes will find something somewhere else and be like, I wonder if he knew or mm-hmm. if it's just a big coincidence.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we were the Aes I episode that we did with the costumes and stuff from the trailer. Like... I found something that Francis Bacon wrote that I was like, did Jordan use this as inspiration for, like, the eyes and ears in the White Tower? This is incredible. So, I mean, his historical background just blows my mind. I love it.
1: I was just thinking, not to change topics, but I'm going to go back to the Aes I Sedai. I, the, the institution itself, when you think about the Aes I Sedai, I, they're very revered. And I mean, Mm -hmm. even the Borderlanders treat them as if they are holy. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering if this is something more about class or caste. Gender aside, it's good storytelling and I'm here for it.
0: I think with the White Tower in particular, it's not so much the gender as it is the hierarchy that has been put in place. Like it encourages competition and the belittlement of people who are not as powerful as others. like we have so many instances where a group of Iodi are together and whoever is the weakest is basically serving tea for everyone else. Well that's shit Like they went through the same things they experienced the same test. Why? Should they do this to someone who is their sister, you know? So it's not so, like for me, the White Tower is not so much about gender. It's how they structure their interactions inside the tower and how people maneuver inside the tower is sometimes not for the best causes.
2: It's, it's a complex Arrangement of uh, yeah degrees levels uh, ranks and so on within the White Tower, and it's um, you know as you say from outside, it's simply the the amelin seat and then everybody else. But mm-hmm. then any girl who goes in there to become a novice and then and thereafter, um, I think, oh, what have I got myself into here? I
1: just think mm-hmm. of how excited Egwene is to get to Tar and she lucked out because she's pretty high in the one power. So she wasn't, you know, forced to serve anyone's tea. But can you imagine if the if the situation was different? What would have she done with her cleverness and ingenuity? What would have she done finding out that she would have just been someone's servant basically the rest of her very long life?
0: Right. I don't think she would have stuck around. No. Yeah. But I mean like from the very beginning, she's basically told, you know, if you show this kind of initiative in the White Tower, you might be ambulancy. So like even before she arrives in Tarvalon, she's being told that she How can great ascend she to is. Yeah. And the level of power she can ascend to by going to Tarvalon. So, I don't think that aguinen sees it as anything other than this massive stepping stone, and she like you said, she's lucky. She's lucky she has that level of power. It doesn't stop her from having to like scrub floors and that's hang why out in I the love, kitchen.
1: That's why I love Elsie Grinwall. I mean, I think her side of the story would have been really compelling because here we have some girl who has relatively low power and the tower mm-hmm. power in the tower <laughs> <laughs> and it would be interesting to get a different point of view because from all of our main characters, Nynaeve, Egwene, Elaine, Moraine, Swan Sanche, even some of the bad you know ones. So we've got Elida, who is quite strong. Sheriam. Yeah, there's many. And I just, we don't really get to see it from the other side. That's true.
0: That's very true. It's very rare for us to get the perspective of someone who doesn't have a tremendous amount of ability to channel. But I don't think Robert Jordan could
1: have put them into the story and then fed us the plot of the White Tower without it being so obvious. So maybe mm-hmm, it was something mm-hmm. that we had to kind of wait for New Spring to really like get our foot in the door to see how things are really going on
2: well, why do you think he did that with New Spring why do you think he was so he, he wanted to reveal so much about the backstory in New Spring and not in the main story w- was there was it like he just didn't want certain kinds of storylines to be there was it a safety mechanism
1: I would assume so I think With New Spring, he could get it all out of the way. But he had plans to do other novels. Yeah, so maybe this was just the first in many where he was going to give us a lot of background information on a certain topic, and maybe this was the only one that kind of came to fruition.
2: Mm.
0: That's actually what I read in the internet, probably Wikipedia, who am I kidding? Um, (laughs) That he, like, intended to do at least three prequels. One was going to be about Tam, and he did the one with Maureen, Swan, and Lan. And I don't remember if, like, a third topic had been chosen, but I did, I mean, when New Spring came out, I was like, oh, this is not the novel I wanted, and I was angry, so I didn't read it. And I'm, I'm mad at myself that I had that reaction, but I'm also not, because then I got to read it with amber and it was really fun <laughs> yeah and i mean new spring is is so good it's so good and i really do i like the time we get in the white tower with moraine and swan like even though they are very similar and their strength and the one power their backgrounds are incredibly different like moraine comes from the highest noble family in Kyrian, and Swan is a fisherman's daughter. So the fact that they find common ground and friendship with each other is, it's really sweet. Like, in some ways, that's what the tower does, is by putting you in novice white, by putting you in an accepted stress, they take away all of your, your class-identifying marks. I mean, except for possibly Sea Folk, But... Hmm it makes it so that everyone's kind of on an equal footing, like the idea of uniforms, you know? So I don't know if that was a tangent or not. I felt like it might (laughs) have (laughs) been.
2: But it was a nice one.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I actually do kind of want to touch on this too, is that rather than focusing on gender as being the defining trait of good and evil, I think one of the things Wheel of Time does really well is show that those are human characteristics capable of surfacing regardless of gender identification.
1: If I'm thinking about gender as a trait, I almost don't even like that at all because, I mean, what is being masculine? What is being feminine? This is just a construct anyways because of our own societies and what people are raised to think. You can focus on someone's good qualities I'm going to say, uh-huh. are bad qualities, but trying to characterize them in terms of gender, I just really don't like at all. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. I I also have a difficulty with good and evil as concepts because mm-hmm. I, I I find it just... It, it, it pursues this binary classification of life and um, you know, it's just not that way. So Mm-mm. I also don't think good and evil are polar opposites. Um, so it's very difficult for me to then look at that in, in, in that perspective. Um, but I, I think gender definitely plays a big part in, in the Wheel of Time. Um, mm-hmm. Does it define the Wheel of Time in some in, in some ways? Yeah, this I'm not... I'm not sure of, actually. Robert Jordan definitely tries to address uh, the obvious imbalance that exists with the representation of women uh, within his his storytelling. Um, However, does he achieve equality through his approach? That remains, uh, as in it would take a far better person than me to be able to come up with an answer to that.
1: Well, I mean, how would you even depict complete equality because I know from my own experience I've never seen complete equality so what does it look like would he know what it looks like would he know how to write it
2: Mm -hmm.
0: well and I mean there is that implication that the age of legends was like this utopian world that existed blah 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 but we of course like we have the opinion that it was probably a dystopian world and we just got, like, records of the rich people who were living at the top of the top because that's what happens. That's what happens historically. Is like, if you had 15 servants to just take care of your hair or something, yeah, life probably felt pretty damn good. <laughs> but how did your servants feel and did they have an opportunity to record those feelings? So what I, I wanted to ask, because of both of your responses to the question about gender, because I do think Jordan very purposely divides by gender. I think it's, I mean, to me, it feels like a really bright neon sign, and it's a little uncomfortable in some ways, the way that it's approached. But what I'm wondering is, does this hold up? Like, 30 years later, does this idea of gender hold up? Because I would, I would verge on no, I just based off of the things that I've heard other people talk about, both in, like, response to the Wheel of Time and the way that it's set up, and also just the cultural norms that are being altered to recognize that gender is not a binary something. <laughs> <laughs> Succinctly put. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. It's like I'm educated in something. No. Well, um, it's... I lose words all the time.
1: It's so completely written into the magic system mm-hmm. that if he got past book one and thought something here might have been a mistake, there was no turning back. This line has already been drawn and you're either Sidine or Saidar and there's nothing in the middle. Actually, we do have other characters who have this type of old magic that has nothing to do with the one power and that doesn't get
0: tied to gender either right
1: correct there isn't an equal opportunity for male channelers before the cleansing of sighting to have a good life at all but if you're a wolf brother you just gotta deal with the yellow eyes and maybe people staring at you and you can live your life unless you're like was what was it uh Noel, the guy noam? no gnome yeah even men she's not very comfortable seeing these visions but she's not in the same place as a male channeler before the taint on Sidine or after the taint on Sidine. So I don't. So I know
0: Red is gonna try to gentleman.
1: Right, right. I mean, there's well, well, that happened. Isn't that kind of written into Elias's story where he, mm-hmm. yep, had to kill a couple warders.
0: Well,
1: which is just ridiculous because, again, it just shows like, oh, how strange things are inside the the White Tower, but. There's there's a lot of opportunity to kind of play with the magic system and kind of like we can rewrite it for ourselves. It it becomes fan fiction, but it's not so concrete that we can't touch it. Can't do that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which is another brilliant thing about the series. It can just. It's got so much scope and so much possibility that you could create all kinds of fan fiction around it.
2: I mean, in some ways, the depth of it though saves it, doesn't it? As in the question that you asked, does it hold up? There are so there's just so much to it, as in there is such intellectual depth as well in the background, the history, the mythology, the the methods that he uses to describe certain principles. Um, is there clumsiness in some of the storytelling? Clearly, <laughs>
0: yeah. yes. Yeah?
2: <laughs> is he a bit That's awkward? That's such a I mean,
0: delicate way of saying it. <laughs>
2: And and if you because we've obviously talked about Wheel of Time uh, sorry um, Game of Thrones uh, you know in, in, in comparison and mm-hmm. there was there was this issue after the first few seasons um, of the the actress who plays Daenerys complaining about her nudity and that it's not equal within the the story and so I think afterwards in the later seasons they kind of they they chilled that out a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was talking to my, 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 wife last week, I was, I was you know, t- sort of telling her what to kind of expect from the wheel of time. And I thought th- this thought struck me, Robert Jordan's a boob man, isn't he? Because in every opportunity <laughs> he gets,
1: <laughs> the ice and eye topless, yeah, yeah, the ice yeah. and I test, the sweat tents, the athan Mir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. were there more? I'm sure there's more.
2: I mean, it's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. I mean... the The
0: discussion of cleavage seems like it's never ending.
1: <laughs> this is true, yeah. but the thing is, there is very rarely any nudity that's sexual nudity, which is so completely different than when we're talking about Game of Thrones or the song A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, I agree with you. Do you think that's a Harriet
2: like... thing? Sorry.
1: I don't know, because I'm not one of these people who are going to be upset if there's nudity in the TV show. I'm all for it. Why not? I know some people are like, well, that means I can't watch with my kids. And I'm like, but there are people whose heads get exploded and their bodies (laughs) cut in half and turned into red blood mist. That's okay." but sitting but in this sweat tent, yeah, that's not okay. So, I mean, this is, again, maybe more of a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Just, I know from living in Germany, being an American, you can go into any gas station, and the nudie magazines are right there for anyone to see. If you're watching TV late at night, there will be the call this number now for fun times. And it's not something that German people shy away from, like the FKK beaches. Like there's this free body culture here. So that's something that really opened my eyes being an American. Now I'm thinking about the Wheel of Time in this context where I'm like, well, that won't really be something that would shock me is seeing people hanging out in the sweat tents, just nude I don't know, for other people, this seems to be a very heated conversation Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: some very strong feelings. I don't want to say, like, pearl clutching, but, like, I will not be watching this show if there are butts and boobs.
0: (laughs) I love the pearl clutching. All I can think of is, like, white gloves and...
1: how dare they how dare they (laughs) my heavens I don't know though Zach what do you think will you like is this something that would affect you in watching the show yeah good question I mean in your household is this something that you're kind of like for or against
2: no, we don't have any of that. I mean, we watched Game of Thrones and um, the nudity wasn't uh, an issue at all. The, we actually stopped watching it after season four because of the, the violence. was just, <laughs> mm-hmm. It was, um, we, we, we kind of have this uh, thing where if the violence is a natural part of the story, then absolutely all for it, we understand that. However, mm-hmm. when it seemed to become a point of, all right, what is the craziest way we can kill someone? and yeah. make you look absolutely horrible that's yeah. what we'll do yeah then i kind of thought this isn't
1: that's not a part
2: of the f- yeah it's not a part of the story anymore it's actually yeah. how gruesome can we possibly be and let's do it um and i really hope this doesn't happen i mean i i am a bit afraid of Dumais wells um mm-hmm. yeah about body parts landing all over the place <laughs> you know? i i don't know
0: I'm actually rewatching Game of Thrones right now, and I just watched season six, whatever episode it is Battle of the Bastards, which I honestly think is one of my favorite scenes in any TV show that I've ever watched. And I mean, and I didn't like it at all. (laughs) i love it i love it so much i love it so much but i sent amber a message and i was like this is getting me excited for like what will do my as wells potentially look like on screen will it be what is it that you like to call it the meat grinder that it
1: is yeah well it really is but do my as wells make sense the battle the battle of the bastards doesn't make narrative sense it was just there to be there mm -hmm. But let's continue. Please.
0: So, Christian's... Hobby. Hobby blog... Is Mm -hmm. that right? Did I get it right? Okay, yeah. So they wrote on our Discord, while doing Easter egg prep for TSR, I found that there was a female version of the dragon that the wheel would pop out when needed. She is Amorisu, who is based on one of the Japanese goddesses, and it's my favorite fun fact of all time as I stumbled upon it online while doing research. I recall people saying the dragon must always be male, and RJ himself said there was a female counterpart
1: and well why didn't you write about it Robert Jordan right (laughs) why didn't you
0: give it to us (laughs) yeah and I mean the fact that there is no doubt like from the very beginning of the book there is no doubt who Rand is you know there's not even a hint that the savior this dragon is going to be female even the idea of dragon I would say normally would get associated with male characteristics like things that are traditionally thought of as male characteristics. So it would make sense I guess for him to be written as male, but wouldn't it have been more fun if it would have been
1: a woman? If it would have been a woman and her three girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Ooh. But
2: then but then would it have been Iliana the dragon? And she had killed the loose theory.
0: Mm. Oh, you're right. Ooh. Would you want to see a female dragon? I mean, it sounds like Amber's totally down for it.
1: <laughs> I mean, this story has already been written. I wouldn't want him to change that much. But yeah, if it's done right and it's interesting and engaging, why not?
2: yeah i mean if there's another spinning of the wheel and it uh it spins out a female dragon why the hell not um you know i'd like to see these kinds of things um you know i'm not i don't have a problem for example with the female 007 either yeah i think mm-hmm. th- this would be nice to see the only thing that i'd like would be then there should be a a, a kind of difference. I mean, yeah, I was really looking forward to Ghostbusters with the women, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I didn't enjoy it because they made it. They made the women more silly than the original Ghostbusters. and, <laughs> yeah. and I thought that's just not fair. Come on, give us a bit more reality to this, and it mm-hmm. just wasn't okay. How could you get reality from Ghostbusters? All right, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, but well, I know I what you just mean. It kind more. of
1: starts to become a little bit slapstick humor. Yeah. yeah. I
0: feel like that and Ocean's 8 kind of had the same thing. Like, I felt all they did was take the script that they had written for the men who had starred in the film and then made... And were like, we're just going to apply that to the women. And this is how they're going to behave.
1: Do you want to know something interesting? Always. This is why Alien, the movie Alien, is so good because it was written where you just had the names, there were never genders to the characters, so when it was made into a film, that's how we got who we got, and how cool did that turn out? We don't have to have female or male stereotypical traits to characters or even have them be a certain sex for the story to be different.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, that's true. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess guess what I was wondering is if, like, giving females male, traditionally male characteristics levels them up in regards to equality. Because so often it seems as though it's like, well, if you behave more—if you're a woman and you behave more like a man— then you're going to be able to somehow access the same level of equality as a male. And I think that that is unfortunate. Like, I've lived in that world where I've had jobs where I am, like, the only female. And I am, like, with a bunch of dudes who think I'm the secretary and I am not. (laughs) And so it's one of those things where it's, like, if I wanted to survive in that world, if I wanted to thrive and be successful, I needed to have more quote-unquote, male characteristics. I needed to be more assertive. I needed to be more dominant in the way that I approached things. I couldn't be timid or shy or quiet. Like, I needed to step up and be hard in some ways is how it felt to me. And so I don't – I think that that's really unfortunate. And I know – like, I know I am not the only woman that feels like in order to be able to be seen as equal – in a competitive working environment really any environment let's let's be honest it makes sense to adopt male characteristics and i do think that this actually ties into yeah what you said zach about uh and like how her adopting male characteristics and that gave her a level footing with the soldiers that she was overseeing commanding whatever Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so How do you, like, how do you guys feel about that? Like, that just applying male characteristics to women, like the characteristics that make us women that are considered feminine are weak characteristics instead of being, like, seeing compassion as something that is weak or empathy as something that is weak instead of as an emotional strength that helps to take care of themselves and other people.
1: So does this diminish women or does it... It's only problematic because those characteristics are attributed to masculinity. Like, that's the only issue there, I feel like.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think also this this idea that a, you know a woman cannot be strong in other ways, um, or the strength that a woman may have um, is still not as strong as a man may be, is completely ridiculous. I mean, when I, I was very young, when at school, when we were taught that if a man had to go through the pains of labor that a woman goes through, he would die, Sim- <laughs> simply wouldn't be able to handle it, um, and, and that kind of straight away you know, struck a, a very powerful note with me to say, do not underestimate whoever you may have before you. This was written in the 90s, probably researched quite a bit in the 80s. And so, therefore, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to justify um, some of the, 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 the sort of lazy, shall we say, um, t- tropes, yeah, that uh, mm-hmm. come out. But, yeah, nowadays, you don't... If you're a woman and you're in charge of, say, a country... Yeah, mm-hmm. like we've we've got Mrs. Merkel still at the moment. She doesn't have to get hammered at Oktoberfest to be acceptable.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that is a good example. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's problematic to say, oh, like there are women that are just into these traditional male type of things just to mm-hmm. elevate themselves but I don't think Brigida is going out drinking just because she wants people to think she's tough. Mm -mm. Like she's broken. She is okay. She's, she's lived many ages. She's an enigma. She's probably somewhere around 2000 years old being respun. What do we know about what she likes to do? What was cool in the free years, the free years were all warring and chaos. She was probably hanging out in taverns and fighting, being a warrior mm-hmm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. So if she wants to hang out in a bar, like, girl, hang out in the bar, drink, <laughs> do what you want to do.
0: <laughs> One of the things that I think is interesting about the Bergita personality is how matt responds to her
1: like she's a unicorn
0: yeah like like that moment where he's sitting like hip to hip to her with her and he's like i haven't even thought about her as a woman and i'm like well she is but you guys can still hang out and be friends like it's it's so unusual for a male female relationship to be just a friendship without a sexual connection so frequently that it feels as though even Matt's kind of taken aback by like, Oh my God, I'm friends with a woman, but at least she knows how to fight and drink and points out pretty (laughs) women to me. (laughs) So I don't know. Like I feel as though she had to be given these characteristics to be accepted, but I, I just, I don't, I don't know.
2: Hmm. I mean, I do. I'd like this. Um, this sort of recognition nowadays that younger generations need to have idols or people who they can look up to. So, Mm Um, you know, I think this is something that the women's NBA has really taken on uh, as a part. You know, you can become a professional athlete. Look, we're doing it, and mm-hmm. a lot of the messaging coming out of the you know, the NBA, the women's NBA, it's it's brilliant on that basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really important, you know, that people see, you know, the different genders, um, different cultures are represented on on these kinds of shows, so that they can naturally see. One minute. There is nothing strange about taking orders from a woman or somebody who's younger than you or somebody who Mm -hmm. comes from a different country. These are perfectly natural situations in which to find ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we should not in any way approach uh, these kinds of diverse scenarios with trepidation.
0: Mm -hmm. Well said. (laughs) Yeah. Hello, friends. It's time for a new ad. There's so much happening in the Wheel of Time world and we have opportunities for you to help us continue to create quality Wheel of Time content.
1: If you would like to help, rate us wherever you listen. This helps other people find the podcast. You can also join us on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Help create the show by joining us on Patreon. We have four different tiers with perks ranging from shoutouts to bonus content to merch not found in our Threadless store.
0: Speaking of the Threadless shop, it's absolutely bursting with beautiful Wheel of Time designs and various items to put them on. Need a Wolf Brother t-shirt? It's there. A first sister pin to send to your bestie? We've got them. How about a white tower dropout sweatshirt? You know Amber made one. The point is, we love the Wheel of Time. You love the Wheel of Time. Go get some merch that shows it. You can find links for Patreon and our Threadless shop in our show notes.
1: One last thing. You guys are the best. Your support means the world to us. Thank you for being the amazing people, humans, sentient creatures that you are and keeping us company on the road to Tarvalin.
0: The one comment that I have or that I kind of wanted from you zach is mm-hmm. the what is also troubling is that brigida identifies her entire character through her relationship with gaitle kane
2: yeah i find that
0: tell me more
2: <laughs> <laughs> all, all the way through it's a you know what have you read uh, hunger games and she's always i'm not good enough i'm not good enough i'm not good enough i can't okay all right Mm-mm. katniss everdeen she she a lovely character but she really gets on my nerves after a while and um, <laughs> you know Birgitta her main issue later on is that she's forgetting Gadel she can't remember his face she can't remember all of the stories their love romances and oh no if she didn't care about her own life anymore her main fear was forgetting Cain and never being sort of brought out you know in the, her next lifetime alongside him mm-hmm. um, and you know, reading a little bit about existentialism, it's that there was this idea of independence within dependence. And I mm. thought that's exactly what she exhibited there. She was an independent character, but that independence comes through her dependence on her relationship with Gayle King.
1: Would it change the situation for you at all if it was, for example, like a mother forgetting mm. their child? Hmm, that's a good question, Amber.
2: Oh, oh man, well, I completely <laughs> wasn't. Uh, what do you call that in the USA? A curveball. <laughs> um, <Sorry. laughs> take <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, I hurt my back. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess it would be easier to stomach from yeah. that perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. um
1: it's really interesting though and I see where you're coming from because I never really thought about it in that, from that side before. Mm-hmm. But I also just I was really sympathetic to her not just because of losing her memories of him. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it at the perspective of like, someone with Alzheimer's or dementia and completely losing themselves. but she doesn't have any reference point of who she is anymore? On top of losing the thoughts and memories of the one person that she cares about most, mm-hmm. and I it's mean, terrifying.
0: Yes, I actually, when like what you just said, Zach, about the independence brought from dependence on another person, that you just ex- you just summed up my entire marriage. i mean really it's and i know that might sound a bit weird like sometimes i feel really bizarre telling people that i have to ask my husband about something before i can agree to something else or whatever but i depend heavily on my husband for a lot of things and his support his love everything that he gives to me allows me to do things like this to have Everything, I mean, seriously, everything I want. I got to finish my degree. I've gotten all kinds of stuff because my husband gives me independence while still being dependent on him. And if I were Bagheeta and let's just say that Andrew is my Kane, my Andrel, (laughs) my everything. Sorry, I really do love my husband this much. Um, I would hate it. I would hate it. Like, even thinking about the idea of losing the memories that I have built with my husband, like it tightens my chest. It makes me kind of want to cry. And so I really feel this when this happens for Brigida because it's not just that she identifies herself through someone else. It's that they have a connection so strong that even the pattern recognized it and was like, you two belong together forever and the idea of losing that that's crushing that's crushing
1: it sucks because a lot of the relationships within the wheel of time and I'm talking about the men and women in relationships Mm -hmm. sometimes that relationship can be a little funny where it's not it doesn't feel so heartfelt yes yeah but I feel like Guidel and Brigida is that one where it's like, like you said, even the pattern recognized. Like mm-hmm. no matter how many times you both get respun, they somehow end up with each Together. other. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting because this is the one like relationship where we don't even get to meet the other what? side. <laughs>
0: But <laughs> well, we see his shadow, like, once or twice, and that's
1: about it. Like- and, and I love that he's, like, often referred to as, like, a lumpy-faced guy. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just love Guidal Kane. I can't help it. I like that he is not traditionally, like, this glad character. He's not this yeah. beautiful hero he's this mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> lumpy man and Brigida's like that's my lumpy man god damn it
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: she's definitely safe with him isn't she I mean nobody's gonna take him away yeah <laughs>
0: Everyone else is like, you have
1: shit-tasted men. He's totally yours. <laughs> no, I was going to say, everyone's like, you can have him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but doesn't that happen with Birgit and Matt? Anyway, isn't there a point where she points to somebody and says, oh, he's quite attractive. And Matt looks at her like, one minute. Did you just say that, really? You know, yes.
1: She she has a thing for Uno. For Uno. Who...
2: <laughs> That's I mean... it, Uno.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. She's like,
0: hey, want to get it
1: on? <laughs> <laughs> I love that about her though. It's Me just too. I mean, I don't know. hmm Sometimes there needs to be that opposite to the Galad character and just how unfortunate Absolutely. that we don't even get to meet them.
0: Right. Maybe the show will do that for us.
1: <gasps> Give us what Geidel? If, Hashtag What if
0: what if the prequel movies have Brigitte and Guidel Kane in them?
1: If those in are form taking place during the age of legends Brigitta is after the age of legends
0: okay so then they wouldn't be involved
1: dumb unless it's spanning you know into the after the breaking a little bit if we get some free years
2: going on this becomes
0: like a seven movie series type thing i'm down I'm down. Do it.
2: Plus, uh, and, and in, you know, in, uh, in cinema, there's always room for that beautiful blonde with a horribly ugly man, you know, next to her. I mean, you know, why yep. not?
0: Yeah. Like she said horribly ugly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I love how it carries over to Brigida having a soft, soft spot for Oliver, who is the most right. hideous child oh. anyone has ever seen. <laughs>
0: Poor guy, smush face boys. Yeah, can you um,
2: imagine the casting call for Olva? I, I think I commented on this on Twitter, you know, please if you if you're the mother or of father a of an extremely unfortunate. Ugly child, looking child. <laughs> <laughs> and your kid comes home from school and it's like I've got a perfect role for you.
0: Never knew your smushed face would pay off. Today is the day. (laughs) That is hilarious. Um, So, we have like so many more things that I would really like to talk about, but we are at two hours for our recording. Oh, no. And I think we may need to find a way to wrap this up instead. (laughs) And maybe we just come back for another discussion.
1: Um, Do you want to pick? something from your list and we close it out on that last question um
0: actually you know what i'm just going to pick the the very next one because i (laughs) i liked what zach wrote in response to it um so the question what are the trappings of masculinity that we see for the men in the series are there examples of toxic masculinity that stand out to you what about male behavior we don't see I know that's like three questions, so just pick something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, toxic masculinity, I think there's quite a lot of clear toxicity there. We're talking you know, Massima the prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking mm-hmm. about um, the peddler, you know, I mean- All the where, white cloaks.
0: Yeah, Gowan, oh yeah. I think Gowan should be on that list. The way that he yeah. treats a queen
2: yeah we we could have actually included that in the um the gender thing like he always feels he has to protect her he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't accept her own ability to take mm-hmm. care of herself and and so on, so yeah, I mean absolutely you you said it right, the amount of toxicity that there is out there in that story is yeah, more than enough,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like uh. I think you said Lan is the main one for me. El masculino. (laughs) 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 I love that. I love that. I think you're right. Like, Amber's brought it up several times. Like, Lan is Robert Jordan's guy, you know? Like, he's, he feels like the ultimate form of masculinity, you know? But at the same time, once we read into New Spring, we, Recognize that he kind of has like this soft poetic side to him as well. So, how does that like?
1: He's also, I don't think he's also like bound to exude some of this machismo, but it's kind of because he was raised by a clan of warriors, like he had no parents, like, yeah, yeah, what I mean. So, I'm trying to think, like. Man, considering how his upbringing was, he turned out pretty okay. Yes. You know? <laughs> like, it could have been much worse. <laughs> yeah, very much worse.
2: And also, how quickly did he fall in love with Nainiev? I mean, you know, I, I was like, from one page to the next, it's like, oh, did I miss something? You know, all of it, He's like, whoa. And they're like, I don't know, exchanging. Well, whatever they were exchanging, I can't imagine. But I mean, were- signet,
1: his signet mm. ring. Oh, oh, yeah. you mean like, okay.
2: like how are they
0: communicating their interests to each other? Eyebrows. Yeah. Nynaeve has yeah. <laughs> Nynaeve has a special sniff for him. Drives him crazy.
1: <laughs> this happens so often though with the relationships. Though, yeah. Where it's just like you turn the page and then they're in love. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like Min and Rand. Like, oh, hey, you just I met ha- him.
1: I had a vision. We're meant I'm to be together forever. I love you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just like. But that. she does.
2: She does really well not to tell him. Actually, I'm one of the three, doesn't she? I mean, not straight away, at least. Um, but.
0: Yeah, she no. definitely. She definitely plays. I don't. In some ways, I feel like she's the most. Um, like, catch me if you can. And at the other time, totally that girl that's like, and I'm plopping in your lap now. You know, <laughs> she's playing hard to get, but not too hard to get. because She actually wants him to get her, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and that's another interesting thing is like, why don't you just be straightforward? Why don't you just be like, hey, I like you instead of it being this game, this manipulation. Why? You know? Mm-hmm. But how
2: silly is Rand as well? Yeah, because I mean, Jordan writes (laughs) Min. She sits in his lap and starts moving. You know, and I mean, come on, Rand, you you don't react some way. I mean, (laughs) you know, hello, hi. I mean, you know, (laughs) somebody's come out to play. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Poor Rand. Yeah. To be honest. People ask me which one of the Emmons Field guys do I like the most. And I think I like them all equally because there are all points about them where I just have to, like, bury my head in my hands and, like... Yes. "Um, Why? 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 Yeah. (laughs) But I still have that reaction with some of the women characters, too. So it's not just...
0: Yeah. Not just hating on any in particular. No. Mm Mm-mm. I'm an equal opportunity hater. <laughs> I, I will not discriminate. Um, I think that's, I don't know. How do you guys feel? Good place to wrap it up. Anything else we want
1: to throw in here? Yeah, I just wanted to say that Landman Dragon is perfect. And I <laughs> do not believe anything bad that you could possibly say. <laughs>
2: What did, you, what did you call him in the previous episode? Land, manhandle. man, handle.
1: Man, bore. Yeah, and I just noticed in our last episode that we recorded, Rand does the same thing to Egwene, mm-hmm. where she kind of, like, rubs her arm like, ow, like, why? So it's, like, <laughs> to be rubbing fair, off. be she
0: tackled him, so... Yeah. He landed on the floor in a heap. She landed in the on the floor. I mean, seriously, I would never, ever think to tackle someone to get their attention. There just has to be better ways. But <laughs> yeah. also, like, pulling people around physically. Like, my husband has done that to me because I have a tendency to just kind of, like, not pay attention to where I'm walking. And so he'll, like, reach out and, like, grab the back of my coat to, like, prevent me from walking into something or whatever. So, I mean, in some ways I get it, but...
1: Yeah, I've only had that happen to me when I wasn't paying attention to the street and like. Yeah, that's so that's like, when.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's when Andrew does it. Is like if we're walking someplace and I'm like stupidly looking at a building and not paying attention, he's like, "Hang on a second, honey, you're gonna like walk out into the street." Or if we're in the store and I'm not paying attention, I'm about to walk into someone. He like pulls me aside or taps me right. on the shoulder. He doesn't hurt me though. <laughs> Fucking. Shall grand. we wrap it up? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is a great place to wrap it up. Zach, thank you again yeah. so, so, so much. Um, we will make sure that we have links to your show in the show notes. And really seriously, I really like your show a lot. And I think it's, it's brilliant that you're approaching these topics in the way that you are. So thank you. Thank,
2: thank you. Thanks a lot. I, actually, it's crazy, but this is the first time in my life that I've been able to sit down and talk about the Wheel of Time with somebody that's not myself. Yeah. <laughs> and to do it i mean you I'm say so two weird. hours i could go on for hours and hours because yep. this is like i grew up with this story this is like me almost my mm-hmm. personal background with this with this story so um yeah i'd love to have any opportunity uh, that we can have a chat again i'd love it and obviously yeah. i need i'd love to have you guys on my show too of course so.
0: sure yeah i think that'll be fun okay absolutely delightful everyone
1: Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community.
0: Let us know what you thought of our content, correct us, send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes.
1: We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalan.